What's your instructional coaching personality type? Have you ever wondered what superpowers make you a really strong coach and what areas you could strengthen a little with a little direction? Well, now you can find out. I created the What's Your Instructional Coaching Personality Type quiz to help you answer this very question. Just head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q to take the two-minute quiz and get your coaching personality type sent right to your inbox. Even better, you'll get a playlist of podcast episodes that are handpicked just for you to help you hone your superpowers and strengthen your areas of growth. I'm so excited to share this quiz with you, so don't wait. Go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q and learn so much about your coaching self. Hey coach, are you new to coaching? Starting out as a coach can be incredibly overwhelming, especially when you aren't given much direction from your administration. That's why I created the new coaches playbook. It includes a roadmap to help you start building your coaching foundation and a guide to seven podcast episodes in order that will give you the steps and ideas you need to build relationships, define your role, communicate with your admin and make a plan to start coaching. Grab it today for free at buzzingwithmissb.com slash new coach and save yourself so much time and stress. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coach, and welcome to episode 156, Thinking Through a New Coaching Program. This is a coaching call with a coach in the field. I am so excited to have you join this call today. I have a really great announcement. The um, first, the startup course for instructional coaches is actually open and you can join it now. You can get everything you need to start this year strong. And I'm actually going to walk the course walk through the course with you in a Facebook group. So every day you'll see a little check-in about how things are going and you can share and get great ideas from other coaches who are doing the program too. So you can grab that at buzzingwithmissb.com slash startup. It's open. You can sign up today and then we're going to start our live support in August. Cannot wait for you to see that. So definitely head over there today. Today on the podcast, you get to listen to a coaching call as I help a coach think through the coaching program she is establishing at her school. Starting a coaching role at a school that hasn't had one uh, can be a really big challenge for coaching. When you've never coached, it's also a huge challenge. And whenever you haven't been coached before, it's really hard to envision what that could look like. It's even difficult if you are starting a coaching role at a school that has had a coach in the past, but it looked very different than what you are trying to do. So all of these are really big challenges to tackle. And today we're going to talk to our coaching buddy in the field and figure out some things that she can do to make her coaching role work better this coming year. I cannot wait to welcome our friend to the podcast. So welcome, Amy, to the podcast. I am so glad that you're able to join me today to talk about um, establishing yourself as a coach and and your coaching program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, So I'm Amy Mather. I'm an inclusion coach. So I'm a special education coach um, in a school district of about 4,000 students and 50 special ed teachers. Um, And I was um, hired last year. So this is my first year as a special education coach um, in a program that's never been I'm the initial, right? So I'm um, building as we go. And it's been a really great year. 
And there's also been some things that I've learned along the way um, that I won't probably include next year. <laughs> yeah, I love that. They're already reflecting. You're already thinking, okay, um, maybe I'm going to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what, what, a, what an interesting role um, <clears throat> as, you know, a, a campus coach, you know, I was responsible for coaching inclusion teachers as well, but I think it's so beneficial to have someone who's specifically in the special ed department to work with those teachers because you can really meet their needs on a level that a campus coach may not be able to. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of idiosyncrasies that go along with special special education mm-hmm. um, and teaching students with special needs. And then also the professional side of things um, when the students leave for the day, uh, all of those responsibilities, too. Yeah, absolutely. They need a, they need a Sherpa <laughs> for sure. Who has been <laughs> up that particular mountain. <laughs> so what are your main challenges that you're having as you are trying to get your program going, you know, establishing yourself in this role, working with teachers who have never maybe been coached ever, figuring out where you spend your time, where are you seeing uh, the most struggle? Sure. Well, like many school districts across the nation, um, we have a lot of brand new educators or people who have not maybe are coming from a different um, Mm -hmm. profession to the world of education. Um, And with that comes a lot of challenge, not coming through a teacher prep um, program or coming at maybe a different way to licensure does um, kind of unfortunately leave some holes that need to be filled um, by people, you know, PLCs and people in the school districts um, in which people are working. So that has been um, one of my primary roles this year and also probably one of the biggest struggles um, because as you are in practice as a teacher, you sometimes forget about, oh, what's the why behind that? Or here's the, you know, the trial and error that I took to kind of get to this point um, might not be there for some of our newest staff. So that has so been challenging. Like working with with the brand new brand brand new people. Now, are those people in inclusion roles? What roles are they serving? Sure. So um, we have some brand new educators um, or alternately licensed educators or alternate routes to licensure, kind of district wide. Um, so as special education um, instructors, yeah. So, uh, and they have do they have some sort of special ed qualification? Yeah. So it might be um, like a quick program, you know, like a 12 month or a 15 month kind of uh, you already have your bachelor's degree and you're able to um, access alternatively. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, to me, I mean, alternative certification versus somebody who has nothing and no experience aside from whatever other works experience they have to me, those are like wildly different, but they are similar in that classroom experience. If they're doing a quick program, they did not have a lot of time to spend in the classroom. So they really right. don't even know necessarily what that looks like because they haven't seen it done since they were students. Yeah, right. <laughs> and goodness, hasn't that changed? Yeah. Um, yes. You know, and it's all good, um, but we can't always rely on our own experience as a student mm-hmm. as best practice. Oh, for sure. No, I mean, you can't. You, I, I've watched a dentist at work, but I could not fill someone's cavity, <laughs> you know, and um, being a teacher, I think that people think it doesn't take the same kind of skill, but it does. It takes a lot of skill that you don't even see happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that might be one of the struggles in working with these teachers is that they don't even realize, like you mentioned, the thought process. They don't realize what all is going into mm-hmm. arriving at a level that students are actually going to benefit from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so with 
with our newest educators, I spend a lot of time about, okay, that's a great, like, I really appreciate hearing your anecdotal information. Now, where's your evidence, whether that be big E evidence that we can look at, you know, some sort of uh, data wall that's been built or little E evidence, like, okay, this is what I heard the students say, and this is what they demonstrated to me. Um, like, I need to show me that you know that they're learning um, or making steps in their progress. So that's mm -hmm. a ton of a conversation that's been had this year. Do they understand like a lesson cycle and what that looks like and what like checks for understanding? Do they have any of that framework? Yeah. And, you know, we hear um, in especially this area, not even just this district um, in Wisconsin is really, really strong on collaboration and being a PLC um, area. So people lean in and really do a great job of helping our new teachers learn that. Mm -hmm. um, and if they're, you know, kind of struggling, I, I think most um, teams are excellent at supporting those people to help them along their journey. So okay. yeah. So then what kinds of, whenever you're, you are actually working with the teachers, um, what are the issues that you're having that you're like, I am not sure how to get through this piece. Where are you getting stuck as you're working with these people? Yeah. Um, sometimes um, it's, as I kind of had mentioned, it's the evidence piece. Mm -hmm. um, like, well, okay. So if this is the skill that you're working at, how can we collect great data on that mm -hmm. uh, and, and helping without being the consultant, because I, I would much rather have people come to their own ideas than me be like, mm, well, here I do a time on task or <laughs> maybe we should do a latency or, you know, something like I want, like, how could we, and being super reflective mm -hmm. um, and lead them there. That also takes a whole lot of coaching um, mental yeah. power <laughs> in yes. the moment. And as a new coach, it's hard to build, build that, um, with good questioning and um, kind of that idea of leading them around to so that it's their ownership and their idea so that the buy-in is so much better. What's difficult about that is they, they don't know what they don't know probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they're going, <laughs> okay, she's asking me this question and I feel like I should know something that I don't know. And I'm like, okay, let me think. Let me think. What have I seen? What have I seen people do? What did I see my colleague do? They did a thing. It was a thing with some questions. And they're just like, they're are they just like grasping at straws sometimes? Almost panic sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's um, kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of whenever the teacher, and I'm sure you've seen it in classrooms, where the teacher goes, we're going to learn about polygons. Who knows what a polygon is? <laughs> right? And the kids are like, if I knew what a polygon was, you probably wouldn't be teaching me a unit about polygons. Like, I don't know. And so sometimes we're asking questions for people to be reflective, which is a great practice. The coaching is so important. And you're right that the buy-in is better when they arrive at it, but they're like, I don't have a frame of reference. So I right. don't know where to go. So then we might need, like they, if they understand a little bit about checks for understanding, if they understand a little bit about what tools their colleagues are using, bringing in some of those tools that they could use and saying, okay, these are two different options. These are two things that we're looking at that we could use to collect evidence and see if the students can do the things that you're asking them to do. We can use this model or this model based on what you're working with and the kids that you have, which do you think would work better? So mm -hmm. we're still putting them in the driver's seat, but we're putting it on like a, 
like a go-kart course. <laughs> you go giving them little unlimited options. They can't go everywhere in the world, right? We're just giving them bumpers. And we yeah. say, these are the choices that we have. And maybe they have another idea too. That's great. And you can say, if you have any other ideas, I would love to hear that input. Um, but but if you're if you're unsure, why don't we take a look at these and see which one you think might work best for your kids? Because some okay. people can cognitively say, you know what, I don't even know. Can you tell me? Some people can't. They don't, they can't even do that. They just go, I guess I should know this. I don't know it. I don't know what to say. And they do panic. Yeah. And that, of course, helps them to build their own set of go-tos um, as well. And maybe it serves as a launching point for their next step. Yes. Once they have something in their toolbox, then maybe they can start to notice the kinds of things that are in that toolbox and they're going to go, oh, oh, maybe I could do this. Oh, I could have them write like a little structured paragraph or I could have them do like an, a sort and they could, I could just provide, they can start to to build it. If you're really focused on that one thing over time and you're focused on adding tools into that toolbox of evidence, student evidence, um, then we can, they, they can, we can build that capacity to get started and then they can add to it. And you could even say between maybe now and the next time I'm going to meet with you, I don't know how long that time is because I know you serve different schools, right? Um, But between now and then, maybe you can find one that one of your colleagues has used or you can find something online that you'd like to share and we could try it out. Right. I like that. Um, Having a back pocket kind of strategy to say, well, here are some things that we could consider. Um, And having, you know, that choice, I think, could be really, really powerful. Um, because you're absolutely right. If we don't have a frame of reference, how could I possibly know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we, so we're trying to stick to like the coaching rule book, which is you ask the questions, you, but it's, I, I mean, it's, it reminds me of like, they would show, you know, psychologists on movies and all they ask is questions. The person's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I should have told my mother. Like they just, <laughs> they're just kind of stuck. And so we have to build the toolbox, especially with those people who have very limited experience. And so kind of differentiating how you're working with your teachers is something to consider because um, you have some that are brand new and then you have some that are more experienced and they do have their own toolbox. Right. Yeah. Um, and in Um, special education, you know, every year, every month even can look so vastly different. Um, And so kind of like dredging up some of those things that maybe I haven't had to utilize or some of those strategies that they might, you know, need a little dusting um, to be able to get put back into place. So just the makeup of the kids changes so frequently. And yeah, our skills do too. Yes, that's right. And that's, that's a good point. So like an experienced teacher may go, you know what I used to do that I haven't done in years, mm-hmm. right? That, why did I stop doing that? We all do that, right? Why did I stop doing that? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, because we tried something else, right? But then you go, there was value in that. I could do that again. So the, the conversations can look very different. And you just kind of have to know the teacher that you're speaking with and what they're bringing to the table so that you can either add to that or you can go back to it. And, and you can always add to what somebody has. but um, but it's it, switching through that that consulting and coaching. We kind of start out with a little consulting. Hey, let me build your background knowledge. Let me help you learn a little bit about this, right. and then we'll move into um, like let's like some more of coaching. Like, how do you think this would go? What would happen if we did this? How, what do you think the benefits could be? How would you like to try it out? Those kinds of questions. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, uh, another big piece. Um, of my position that I'm really interested in um, trying to figure out a little bit more is 
how do I evaluate my own coaching? Um, and how can I make sure that what I am doing is impactful and not just impactful for the educator, but impactful for students. Um, and so it's easier when you're in a classroom and you can see those results more often, more frequently, mm -hmm. you have that kind of like, okay, yeah, this is, well, as a coach, I've noticed this year that it's like, okay, so I've like put out all of these, you know, little satellites and I know that it's going, but how do I know that it's going well? That's such a good question. And the the actual topic um, for May in, in on the podcast, the theme that I'm doing is your coaching impact. We're talking about how to analyze where your time goes, how to measure things, how to really evaluate and reflect. Um, and so there are several episodes you could dig into there that might be helpful. Um, and I think, but I think you asked a really good question, which is how do we evaluate our coaching work, not just on the effect of the teacher, which is of course, obviously so important, but also on the students. And it's tricky because it's filtered through the teacher by the time it gets to the kids. So we don't know what we did versus what the teacher would have done. Cause that you know, parallel universe is, you know, we're not in it anymore, right? We've, we've gone off right. on a different direction because we did mm -hmm. provide support to the teacher. Um, so we can't really compare what it would have been, but we can certainly look at student growth. And so if you have some way to collect data, you're talking about evidence, right? You're collecting evidence. Right. You're asking the teacher to do so. Mm -hmm. If you have some way to collect data on students, you can look at that and know that you had a hand in it. You don't always know what percentage of it is your right. hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you have, you know, uh, common formative assessments that your teachers are using and you can track the specific students that your teachers are working with, that you're kind of supporting them through and note the growth over time, you can still, I mean, not take complete ownership over it, but you can understand that you had an influence in that. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I, I appreciate how, you know, it's like filtered through and right. that's, that's been, my brain works really well with those visuals. So thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> um, do you have, do your teachers collect the data regularly and like record it somewhere that you could use that to see how students Absolutely. are progressing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, different, different teachers have different needs. So it wouldn't be like something I could do district wide, but it would be definitely helpful to see that in small pockets. Mm -hmm. Um, how that's working. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of like little pilot programs that you're like, you mentioned satellites, right? Every, yeah, yeah. every individual group is like, let's see how this works here. Let's see how this works here. And what's nice is after you have that student data and that growth measure, you can say, okay, this worked really well for these kids. So if I see the opportunity where this might, might, might be a good step to take in a classroom, I can offer it knowing that it was successful for students that when the teacher tried right. these things, it made a big difference. Um, you can also get uh, reflections from teachers, uh, like surveys from teachers about about your um, your uh, impact on their teaching. Um, mm -hmm. Something I started doing are my end of year workshops, where at the end of the school year we go through um, in a small, like a small cadre type setting, and we look at you know we get feedback from teachers in a survey. We talk to the administrators that are you know relevant to your coaching work, and then we take all of that kind of dig through it, try to understand what it means for our own coaching work, make some reflections, and then use it to establish our coaching program for the next year. And so that has been, that's helpful to teach to coaches who are like, I don't, I've got all this information, but then how do I take it and form a better program next year, right? So this year is like piloting this program, right? It's, it's a new season, it's the first season <laughs> uh, in existence. 
And then next year you want to say, okay, this is what went really well. These are some things that I'm going to take out. How am I going to build my program even better knowing what happened this year? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that reflection is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting that feedback from others, I think, um, through a survey of some sort would also be really interesting um, because sometimes um, I've the things that I feel like maybe weren't impactful for people really turned out to be Mm -hmm. um, helpful. And so that's, that's a good um, kind of barometer on how things are going and what things to do more of, or maybe even ease back on Mm -hmm. and support it with good, with good data. Yes. Yeah. It's good to have like this. It's not just my intuition because sometimes (laughs) we are way off. Like you said, we think that, teachers are responding in one way or because we all kind of, we look at teachers and we picture our own brains in their heads. And so we're like, I know this would help me. This would not help me. And everybody's different. <laughs> so it doesn't always pan out the way that you expect because everybody is interpreting things through their own experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, at this season of the year, you know, in this late late part of the year, everyone is kind of doing all of the wrap up things. And there is a lot of natural reflection um, in planning also for how things will go in general, in general ed and special education classrooms for next year. So Mm -hmm. it's a really logical time to, to do it too. It is. Yeah. Um, Just based on, on the experience that you've had so far, you mentioned that there were some things you're going to pull back from. Um, do you want to talk a little bit? We can, you know, look a little bit about some of the things that you want to make sure that you do next year as you're establishing your program for the second year um, or some things that you wanted to take out. Yeah. Um, So I think now after one year in, um, I've kind of, I've kind of developed my own wings, right? I've kind of gotten over that whole imposter syndrome. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> and maybe I'm not the right person for this job. Right. That kind of, oh man, um, gotten a little bit over that hump and still question quite regularly um, mm-hmm. if, you know, my own skill set and how can I make this better? Um, so as we um, kind of look at our, our coaching program, um, some things that I've been really focused on this year are those... Um, planning conversations like, okay, let's get this moving. Let's plan this out. Let's, you know, what are we, what are our hunches? What are our thoughts? What could come, you know, all of those kinds of things, super exciting in planning. Um, and what I've really fallen on is the, um, the reflective conversations Mm -hmm. after the fact, um, and I think that's just because once we're done with that planning and we've implemented, now we're planning something new. Right. <laughs> and so the, that kind of train is moving on. And so I need to be more intentional about circling back and like really looking at, okay, we planned this, you implemented or we implemented together. And let's be really, really um, deep dive into how things went, what we might tweak, Will we need to do the same thing again? And so carving time for that reflective and really keeping to we're going, this is part of what we do um, in a little bit stronger way. So that's something that is really on top of my um, list to improve for next year is more of the reflection. 
Yes, I can completely understand that because you're right. Once the train gets going, you're like excited. You're going to work on the next thing, right? Um, but part of those planning steps can be the reflection on the previous work because that can inform the next steps planning that you're doing. So kind right. of making a spot for it and and even sharing with teachers. If you have sometimes like a little format um, that they know what what is what is to be expected in your work together. Yeah. Um, that can help keep you accountable a little bit. And then having like your notes and all of your work in that structured format so that you're like, well, here's a big empty box where we're going to write what we reflect on. <laughs> Maybe yes. I should do that, you know? <laughs> and a lot of, you know, so many of the pieces, the forms that I've used um, have all of that there. And it's, and, and mm -hmm. yeah, it just, as we go and plan and do and then it's like, okay, now we need to go and plan and do. And then yes. we just never quite closed that chapter right. on the previous work. I wonder how, and I was just talking to my brother about this the other day. He's a, actually a high school social studies teacher and a baseball coach. And he was talking about teams and PLCs and how we communicate in schools. And we were talking about technology and how helpful technology is sometimes for those reflective conversations, because you don't always have the time because you're like, well, we got to get ready for our next work together. So he was saying, isn't it, wouldn't it be so much better if we just move so many of these conversations to, you know, like um, Slack or any other tool that allows these ongoing conversations where you can input resources. Even he said like a Google doc, which I agree, um, an ongoing Google doc where you have those reflective questions in there and you mm -hmm. plug them in and then teachers can maybe think about them before you meet. So they have an idea. They could even make notes on it or you could never meet in person about that if it's impossible, because sometimes it's impossible. Um, and it is <laughs> just is right. It's just the reality. So if you don't have the opportunity to meet in person, you can, you know, you can communicate through that Google Doc and they can write their responses and you can give some feedback on some things. And um, that's a way to engage in that reflective thinking in an ongoing way, because it can be an ongoing tool that you use, not just like, okay, we finished our cycle. Now we're going to reflect. You can use it at any right. point. Yeah. In a more genuine way. I right. That too. <laughs> Yes, because we do have reflective thoughts, like you said, on go. It's, it's even during the lesson, we're like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Oh, that didn't, or, or, hey, look at this. This is pretty good. And sometimes we don't take, have the moment to share those things, you know? Right. Um, and so that could be one way to, to kind of fit it in in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that, um, especially because time is so, mm -hmm. is so darn limited. It's really difficult to make all of those things happen. Mm -hmm. um, and while you were talking, I also was thinking it, it something triggered and maybe it was something you said outright, but bringing that reflection on the previous to the start of the new could mm -hmm. be kind of like a sandwich. <laughs> yes. Type. Like we're going to slap that right on top and okay, what big things can we pull from that and put into our next plan? Exactly. It's kind of like when you're planning a new unit and you look back at your data from the previous instruction. It's the mm -hmm. same thing because we don't have the hard data. We, well, we could, you could actually include hard data as part of your like student data as part of your reflection. Mm -hmm. um, but it was also their own observational data. How did you think it went? What did you see? How are your students reacting? Um, so then, yeah, plugging that in as at the, the beginning of the next place could be a great way to make sure it happens and that it serves an authentic purpose because you're immediately going to take those thoughts and use them in planning your next lessons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's a really great suggestion. Great. Um, do you have 
uh, any other kinds of things that you do to support your teachers? You have, you've talked about the coaching cycle, what other kinds of things make up your program that you're going to try to continue to do next year? Sure. So, um, so in our um, state, we have a requirement as part of the IEP process to um, do the effects of the, dis- you know, really, you know, obviously the present level of performance, but then that drives really, how does the student's disability impact them in the classroom? What are the effects that you would notice and observe in the classroom? Um, and then do a root cause analysis of those effects to come out with some disability related needs um, that will be addressed through the entire IEP. Um, and so we've done a, a lot of work around um, the process and making that collaborative with the entire um, school team, um, talking about effects and how might the whole group kind of work together on some of those impacts. Um, and that's been a really fantastic process that I've been able to pilot in little um, pockets, um, a couple of places around the district and it's kind of taken off. Um, People are now feeling like they can do that on their own Mm -hmm. um, without my kind of guidance and assistance through that process. Um, I developed the template that kind of goes with that so that um, there was something. And then um, now I've seen different tweaks around. And so like it's, it has legs, which is great. Um, People are doing it um, and feel and finding the value um, in in that process, not only is it you know something that's required, but we understand um, that how valuable and and um, important it is for our students' growth. Um, so mm-hmm. that's been a really really great thing. Um, so now that that's been kind of piloted and tweaked, <laughs> um, we're able we're going to be able to take that district wide next year, which is really exciting. Oh, neat. Um, it, I think it will really change um, outcomes for students. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that has been a big, big focus. And then um, continuing to put out different instructional strategies um, through either newsletters or like mini PD um, videos that I send out to staff members, um, even, you know, strategies that are really they might feel a little elementary are really super engaging for a lot of our middle school and our high school students because it feels like play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding different ways um, to include some of those opportunities for our upper um, extremes has been a really great problem solving, um, mm-hmm. but that's also part of what I do. So, and then we're just taking a ton of time to look at those, making sure that we're building a, a strong instructional playbook um, for our heaviest, um, you know, our most important, our heaviest hitting um, strategies mm-hmm. and how those can look in different places throughout the district. So That's those so uh, those are some of the big, big pieces right now. I love that. Um, yeah, you could even collect feedback from the people that you've piloted this this program that you mentioned mm-hmm. and that where they talk and they collaborate. You could get feedback um, from them on that before you plan out how it's going to look for the following year, because there may be some adjustments or, mm-hmm. um, or even just things that you want to make sure that you really double down on or include as you roll it out to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of summer work will happen Yeah, <laughs> there, um, yes. to have that ready to go for the fall, but absolutely um, including those people um, who have been through the process and mm-hmm. their feedback is so important to make mm-hmm. sure that it's, um, truly beneficial and worth everyone's time because it's such a valuable commodity. Right. 
Yeah. And that's, and you're right. Um, whenever we waste time is like the cardinal sin of teaching because we just don't have enough of it. Mm-hmm. So you cannot waste a teacher's time. Um, what are some of the methods that you've used to get the strategies out? You mentioned newsletters and videos and, li- and like, like pop-up PD throughout the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, different places around um, have a reverse request for assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a fun way to um, kind of find different people who may might not um, be on my newsletter or um, different things that might be regular ed staff or some of our multilingual staff, those kinds of um, other teaching positions. Um, so that's been a good way to kind of share out information as well. Um, we are very fortunate. We have an early release um, once per mm-hmm. month where we're able to kind of get together with um, either like um, job alike groups yes. or um, kind of um, mixed groups and um, share out some important things um, and different um, options for teacher learning for and for staff learning. So um, that's been another way that we've been fortunate to get that together. And then we are doing a summer institute uh, where um, it's completely voluntary um, to come a couple of days in the summer. And we're going to work on some um, instructional strategies in uh, reading and in math and in writing for for all teachers. Um, so there's um, a lot of value in thinking about some of these different strategies and skills um, that we're building, not just for our students with disabilities, but for all learners. We know that it's if it's good, if it's good sound instruction, it's mm-hmm. good sound instruction for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I think that's that's fantastic. The uh, early release days are such a great time. We used to do job alikes as well. And um, and it is interesting to see people from different schools because you get stuck in your own little bubble, you know, of right. how you do things. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, I'm I'm always looking for different ways to reach people, mm-hmm. and uh, my favorite things um, to do are put in the subject line. This is going to take you three minutes. <laughs> you know, like, yes, that's a learn good something one. new in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I promise I won't bite those kinds of things. And yeah. um, I love looking at the the views. Um, just you know that sometimes I feel like, oh man, I don't know if this is going to hit. And then like you look at the number of times that it's been viewed and it's like, okay, maybe it has, you right. know, maybe that was important. <laughs> I felt like it was, but wasn't sure. Right. So, That's great. Is there an opportunity for people to share about how those things went? Well, okay. So give me some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, they can look like a lot of different things, but if you are sending things out, it can be kind of really great actually to see how people tried it out, you know? And so there are different ways to do it. Um, and I'll just kind of like ramble here, I guess, until I share a few, but um, even offering an incentive to, for people to share or highlighting somebody um, like, let's say that you send out a video and somebody tries it in their classroom and they're like, Oh, this is really cool. You can say, Hey, to anybody who tried out this strategy, if you would like to share this with your colleagues at the next job alike, Mm-hmm. Then you can lift up that teacher and be like, hey, they use this in a real life classroom. It's not just me saying it. I know you're not that far <laughs> removed, but people very quickly are like, no, you're yeah. not. You don't know. Um, right. So it, it can be helpful to be like this teacher tried it out. Would you like to share a little bit about how it went? Any artifacts that you have? Um, and then see about how they, you know, if, if that catches on even more so, because sometimes another teacher sharing something just comes with that credibility, that classroom, you know, credibility. Classroom cred. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yes. So um, I think that that's one way that you can do it is to highlight those teachers. Another way is like we talked a little bit about using technology. Um, 
even having uh, like a flip grid or something where, or I think now they just call it flip, um, right? Where, where you have like, yeah, <laughs> you put something out in the world and then people can respond to it with a little video. They could take a picture of a student artifact um, or any other, I don't know what kind of technology like hub you use for your district, but sometimes there are tools already, already embedded where teachers could share those kinds of things, those pictures with each other. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, it's the more we can get teachers like trying things out, but then talking about it, then that creates, like you talk about, that's what gives it legs, right? Is whenever teachers take it on, they have the ownership and then they can share about it. Um, and it can be really hard, like you mentioned, to find the time to do it in the busy schedules that teachers and coaches have, especially as a traveling coach, you're not present on every campus all the time, right? You're rotating right. through these schools. So um, getting them to talk and, you know, maybe even you say, okay, for the next job, like we're going to bring a sample of how this went. Um, you know, I mean, that's more, that sounds more like a requirement. Right. So maybe that's farther down the road, but, um, <laughs> right. or you could say, which one would you like to, we, we shared seven different things today in this three hour session we had, try one out and then, you know, take a picture and send it to whatever, or upload it to this drive. Or um, like we used to do Google drive things where people would just drop things in and it yep. was like a shared drive for everybody in third grade or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, or you, if you do have one, like a Slack channel or like a, um, I'm trying to think of another service, uh, where people message each other back and forth and they can add pictures and stuff. That's another place where you have like a job alike thread where everybody can share how that strategy went and just put a picture of it or comment if they would like to. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. All right. Great. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Oh, uh, my head is really full with, <laughs> um, I, I don't, I, that, I had a list over on this side here. Go ahead. Yeah. You can look at yeah. your list. That's fine. <laughs> if there's anything else. Um, you know, uh, something that was, uh, that one of your podcast episodes that I just want to like lift up was the, um, words that we use and how they influence wow. teachers and mm -hmm. that, uh, has been something that I've listened to now a couple of times and it's, um, I really appreciate, um, and it's been very, help, very helpful tool, um, as I kind of think about my framing and, and how, um, being careful and cautious, it's been, it, that's been really helpful to me. So I wanted to lift that. Oh, well, thank you. That's funny because as you've been speaking, you know, Jessica Vance was my guest for that episode and you act, the way that you speak actually reminds me a lot of Jessica. And I was thinking oh. about that before, whenever you were talking, and then that's actually who the guest was on that episode. Oh, that's, that is funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if that, if that's pretty much wrapping up, I hope that you're able to try out some of these things. I would love to hear how they go. If you, okay. um, you know, try something out and you want to share it with me, I would love to hear about it. Um, but I hope that that gives you some things that you can think about for next year and, and maybe get a little more, um, I know that you, it sounds like you've done so much this year, you've gotten a really great start and then you can just continue to build that program with your teachers. Yeah. I'm so excited to be in this role and to be able to do some of these things because it's, it is really, really impactful for sure. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was our coaching call with Amy Mather, and I'm so glad that she joined us today because she had a really unique perspective, and she's been doing a lot of thinking about her coaching program already. Clearly, lots of reflection going on there, which is no surprise um, because she is a fan of, of Jessica Vance's work, right, <laughs> on, on that episode, so it makes total sense. Um, but I am so glad that we had her on today to talk about how 
you know, sometimes we can focus in and really get more mileage out of those things that we've already established and grow that coaching program a little bit um, by narrowing our focus. So that was a great conversation. And I'm really glad that Amy joined us today. Next week, we are starting a new series about how we can help our school move through making big changes. So we've spent a good time um, this season talking about mindset. Back at the beginning of season four, like in episodes 132 and 133, they were very focused on teacher mindset and coaching mindset. Now we're going to figure out how to use this understanding that we have with mindset to support our teachers in learning and applying new things whenever they are like school initiatives, right? That's bad words, right? But they're not really bad words. It's just, <laughs> that's just the perspective people might have on them. So we are going to get into that in the next episode, 157. And from now till then, what you can do to continue to establish your coaching program is to grab the new coaches playbook. It's okay if you've been coaching for a year or two, this will still give you valuable tools to help you establish a program that you want your coaching to look like this year. So you can go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash new coach and grab a workbook that also includes some podcast episodes and it'll guide you through which ones to listen to in which order and then a workbook to help you make plans using the information that you learned. If you love the podcast, but you're overwhelmed with lots of stuff and you don't know where to start and if you need kind of some guide to help you sort through the information, this document is for you. I think you're going to love it. So that's buzzingwithmissb.com slash new coach. And until next week, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.